0: Greetings, and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shiri on We are now in Masachat uh, Sotada Dafu Lamed Amud Bet, returning to our discussion of a description which uh, does not appear in the Mishnah, but the Gemara presented with the Tosefta, of a description of the crossing of the Ardain. So Ta Omer, right in the middle of the Mayu. This is a direct quote from the Tosefta, Perak al Ahloch that there were three sets of rocks. Now, this is nowhere in the text, but we're going to infer it, that Moshe has to set up rocks in Moab, across the river. At the beginning of Sefer Devrim, it says that Moshe explained the Torah. What does it have to do with rocks? At the end of Sefer Dvarim, it says tev, that you should set up the rocks. It's when they cross, they should set up the rocks on Har, and And right there, the Torah, ba'er he tev, so the word Ba'er in the beginning of Dvarim, the word of Ba'er towards the end of Dvarim, are now associated to say that both of them are a public display of the Torah on rocks. There's a second set, which is what yoshua set up inside the Ardain. We spoke about that in the last podcast. And the third set that Yoshua set up in Gilgal, that according to the Midrash, were the rocks that they took directly up to Haragrizim and Eval, set up on Eval. And then afterwards, took them down and brought them to Gilgal that night. We'll see that a little later on. Explicated. etc. Now, Torah, banan. How was the Torah written on these rocks? They wrote it directly on the rocks. The Torah says, "Write them on the rocks." Then they plastered over the writing. Which itself seems to be counterproductive. We'll see what the reason is. Now, this is a very strange notion, and it's going to get stranger. Rabbi Shimon says, if that's the case, then how would the nations of the world have learned the Torah? The the literal reading of his phrase is, how did they learn the Torah? But as we'll see, it developed further on. How would we have expected them to learn Torah? That therefore we can hold them responsible for not learning Torah, and then they get punished, and we'll see what that's about. So Marlow, what did Rabbi answer? Binayitirah <inaudible> Natan Baruch Hu. Baruch gave them a uh, deep intuition, as it were. She grew no tiro, no like like a notary. They sent uh, scribes shlen. We They lifted off the uh, the plaster, and they were able to see it. And that's why they were condemned to Hades. In other words, these notaries should have then taken the information they had and taught it to their people who sent them, and they didn't teach them. The whole notion is somewhat strange because it assumes that the Torah was given for Am Yisrael to share with the rest of the world in all of its details, and the rest of the world was given this opportunity even though the the kitab was hidden, that they knew how to un, uncover it, and they didn't teach it, therefore they're condemned. So Rishiman disagreed with that, as we saw. Rishimah al-gabay sid katvua. They wrote it right on top of the plaster. Chatzvulah and lamata. And underneath the text of the Torah, whatever it is they wrote, and you could tell that they didn't write the whole thing, because whatever it is that they wrote... Rabbi Shimon says, and there's another pasuk that they wrote underneath it, a pasuk from the Torah, which means it's not the whole Torah. It's certain pieces of the Torah were written, and underneath it's like a caption. It said, In other words, you have to come in and obliterate them, so they don't teach you how to do all the terrible things. Why is that there? A a, uh, heretofore uh, unmentioned idea, that if the seven nations... Would change their ways and give up their abominations, we would accept them as gerim and certainly not kill them. So Amar Rabbi Rabbi Rabbi, rabbi shilo. my Talmud Rabbi Shimon. Why does Rabbi Shimon say that? That, that that it was written on top of the plaster? And the prophecy of over the end of days: the nations will be burned up in in limestone. Really. So what's the drasha? Al iske seed. It's because of that which was written on the plaster that they didn't follow. That's why they'll be punished. Now, Rabbi Yehuda, what does he do with that? Kisid, it's just like limestone. The only thing you can do with it is to burn it up. Similarly, those nations, but notice he says Kutim. So this may be a pointed... Shot at the Samaritans of their time, uh, that the only thing that can be done with them is they burned them. In other words, there's no way to be, to, to get them to come back. Okay, Kaman Azla HaDitanya, Veshavita Shivyo, the Pasukah, the beginning of Parashat describing the Yifat To'ar, says, when you go to war, and you take captives. What's the drush on that? The Rabot K'na'anim, Shibachutz La'aret, Shemchuzin B'Tshuva M'Kavlin Otan. The Veshavita Shivyo, which is... An unnecessary phrase, because the next thing is, if you see among the captivity a beautiful woman, etc., etc., you don't have to say, and if you take captives, it's there to tell you you may take captives. So which captives are you allowed to take? The, the, as we know, that war that's mentioned in the beginning of Kitete is a war which is not Muhammad et not an obligatory war, but rather a war of expansion. And if that's the case, then it's taking place, then it's obvious you can take the people as captives. It mentions it to tell you that even if you have Kananim who left Israel, and they are ethnically and genealogically Kananim, but they've lived elsewhere, you're allowed to keep them alive if they do tshuva. Now, come on, who does that follow? To Rabbi Shimon. It follows Rabbi Shimon in the dispute with Rabbi Judah. Now, back to the Tosefta. Let's see how many miracles happened on that one day. Number one, they crossed. The crossing was miraculous. This accepts the opinion that Grizim and Eval are far away from the Ardain, as we saw that dispute uh, two podcasts ago. And nobody could stand up to them, so they were able to march that great distance, a whole nation in one day, and nobody stood up to them. Anybody who did stand up to them immediately, his body uh, lost all of its functions, etc., or any of his uh, any of his control. In, in Shemot, at the in, in the uh, ceremony of the Kabbalah uh, Torah, course promises promises I will send my fear ahead of you, and I'm going to confuse and make the nations tremble that you, uh, that you encounter. Fear will fall upon them. So that's exactly what happened. Anybody who saw Bede Israel immediately um, lost control of his sphincter, as it were. Parenthetically and tangentially, in the rest of that Pasuk, fear will compound them. It says, until your nation Hashem passes, until your nation that you have acquired. The drasha on that, it says, twice will pass as a reference to entering in with Yoshua and then entering in the, in, under the, in the Persian era when we were able to return. That's called biashniyah. And more miyata, what's the drusha? They should have had the same kind of miracles happen when they returned under Korish. Elishagar but sin caused that to fail. Rashi points out in Brachot that when they came back the second time, they should have come back as an independent, independent, militarily and politically sovereign people. Instead, they came back only with the permission of the Persian kings. What's the next step that happened? They brought the rocks. They plastered. So this follows Rabbi Shimon. They wrote the entire Torah in 70 languages, which does not follow Rabbi Shimon. Because Rishimon had a piece of the Torah with that pasuk underneath it, Shenemar Ba'ere Why was it in seventy languages? Because that had to be written in a very clear explanation, meaning that all nations could read it. They brought korbanot. They ate. They drank. V'samchu. They celebrated. Uverchu v'kalalu They did the bracha and the as we delineated. kiplu et ha'avanim. And then they took the rocks apart. You know, they built these rocks. They wrote the Torah on it. Then they used them as an altar. Then they took the rocks apart. Uval, and they came all the way back down to Gilgal, next to Yericho, and they stayed there for the night. In Yeshua, it says you have to take these rocks across and set them up in the lodge that you stay tonight. I might think that it's in every lodge. We saw this in the previous podcast. So, therefore, the Torah says, uh, that Yeshua says, the one where you lodge tonight, meaning only Gilgal, that's where they stay. So the same twelve rocks they put, they set up. Uh, Yeshua commanded and directed that they be set up in Gilgal. Okay, good. So now that's the third set of rocks. But that third set of rocks went quite a distance in one day, and that's what the Tosefta says. How many miracles happen in one day? Again, I. According to a straight reading of Sefer Yoshua, the twelve rocks simply were lifted from the Ardain to Gilgal, and they did not get up to Harival for quite a while. But then again, the Midrashic direction of understanding the sequence of events uh, is different. Tana, sirah the hornets that are mentioned in Shmor Chav Gimel, did not cross with them. What do you mean? In, in Mamar Sinai, Hashem says, I will send the Tsirah in front of you to hurt the nations and, and afflict them and, and, and give you a military, uh, front, as it were, a vanguard. So, uh, how can you say it didn't cross? Really, it stood right on the, on the banks, and it sent some sort of poison across the river, and that, um, Poison blinded their eyes above and castrated them from below. And what's the proof text? Sheneh mar in Amos bet when Hashem says all the great things He did for Am Yisrael. It says I destroyed the amori Am Yisrael sin. But look what I did. I say I I destroyed the amori. Asher They are as tall as cedars and he's strong and protected as uh, as uh, oaks vashmid I destroyed his fruit from above, and the roots from below. So the drashan, that is, it's not referring to the nation, but the people. And that the fruit above means their eyes, and the uh, roots below are their uh, are their testicles, and that that was all destroyed. Um and that was what the so the hornet never crossed, it stood on the banks of the of the um of the uh Yardin and sent this poison across. That's how we reconcile the Sira going in front of us and Sira not crossing. A Papa Marsh date Tava. He says there were two uh two hornets or two sets or two swarms, Chad Moshe the Yoshua, the Moshe Avar, the Yoshua Moshe stayed with them to protect them through the desert, and Yoshua crossed with them to help them fight on the other side. Okay, now back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, six tribes went up to Har Grizim, six tribes went up to Harival. And in Sefer Yoshua in Parakhet at the end, after the successful conquest of Ha'ai, we find the description of Amisua going up to Harival. And it says, half of them went up to Har Grizim, and the half. Why did it say the half as if this division pre existed? Remember the ephod, the apron that the coin got wore. Was attached to the choshen over his shoulders, and at that point there were two rocks, one on each side, and each one had six of the names of the shvatim. And so the ha-chets-yo is to say the same division that exists on the mountains as the division exists in the names of six on this side, six on that side. Now, me'tave is that really true? Shtevanim tovotayu l'koin gadolak He had two precious gems on his shoulders, a mikan v'achat mikan, one on each side. shvatim and they are written. The twelve tribes are. Written on them, Shishalav and Zuv, Shishalav and Zuv, six on each one. Shemar Shisham and Shultem It says Kit told meaning in birth order. V'lo Shona Shana Why? But the first one is not in birth order. Mei Yehudah Even though Ruven was the first born, Yehudah's name was first on the on the right hand side. But the second one is Kit in birth order. There are 50 letters, 25 on each. Perfectly balanced. He disagrees and says, They are not divided the same way they're divided in Bamidbar. We have the order of marching. We have nefod. That's not how they're divided on the on the nefod. But rather how they're divided at the beginning of Sefer Shmot when you find that the first six who are mentioned are Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Issachar, Zvulun. In other words, the six children of Lay on one side, and you have uh, Benjamin, the four children of the uh, four sons of the Shvachot, and then Yosef. The bnei they are in order: Reuven first, not Yehuda first. Bnei Rachel, achad mikan vechad mikan. Bnei Rachel, one on each side. Echad mikan vechad mikan means one on top, one on the bottom, on the left side. Bnei Shvachot, between them, the four bnei Shvachot. So you have Binyamin, Dan, Naftali, Gad, Asher, Yosef. So why does it say in birth order? This is not birth order. After all, birth order would be Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Dan, Naftali, Gad, Asher, Yisachar, Zvulun, Yosef, Binyamin. So the, it means Ketolotam doesn't mean birth order, but rather Keshemotan, Kishkara'la Navihan Velo Kishemot Kishkara'la N Moshe. Meaning they are given the names that they were, their birth names were Uvein and not the names Moshe gave them, which is Uveini, the Rubenites. Ruven Velo Uveini Shimon Velo Shimonini Dan Velo Hatani Gad Velo Hagadi. So Tiyuv the Rav Kahana that stands as a reproof to Rav Kahana, because Rav Kahana says the division in Nefot is the same division as Har-Grizim and har which is not at all the same division as the beginning of Sefer Shmot. Um... So Tiyufta he's disproved. So now we've got to go back to the word Hachetzio. What does it mean? Tanachetsioshim Murubami Hachetzio means that there were more people, even though it was six tribes, there were more people on Grizim than there were Ival. Because Levi was supposed to be on Ival is down at the bottom. So Adam sorry, Levi was supposed to be on Grizim. Because Levi was supposed to be on Grizim, but Levi really is down at the bottom. Therefore, Griesim is less. So, how can you Even the Levies at the bottom, Bnei Osayf in my Bnei Osayf are up on a val. Shemar Bnei are humongous in their numbers, way more than anybody else. Shemar by the Bruvine Bnei Osayf at Yeshua more. Madu on a tatal in a challah, Goral Echad, Chevel Echad. Mani Am Rabin Yeshua Yod After they get the land. Bnei Yosef, Bnei Asher and Phineim, come to Yoshua and say, "This is not nearly enough land for us. We are a huge nation." Go up to the forest, wait till Hashem cut down trees, and then inhabit it. So, what does "be'retem" mean? Go and hide in the forest. You are so numerous, you better hide, so the Ayn Hara, the evil eye, doesn't get to you. That's the drush I'm um, so what they say back to him? We're the children of Yosef. Yosef doesn't have iron heart. Ben Parat Yosef, Ben Parat ale-ayin, that in the Bracha that Yaakov gave to Yosef, he is the Ben Parat Yosef, the one who with the risen eye, rather those who rise above the eye, meaning the eye doesn't affect them. So, Chaniramar Mihacha, Yidgula Rov, a in the Bracha that Yaakov gives to Menasheh, for Yosef, really. It's about Menasheh 5, it says, Yidgula Rov, they should be multiple and plentiful as fish, Mad just like fish are underwater and the eye doesn't see them same thing with Yosef the eye in Harad doesn't affect him now, parenthetically we said that there are 50 letters 25 on each side are there really 50? you count up the number of letters in each shevet's name is 49 50-1 literally so, Yosef got an extra letter added to his name. We saw this in the first paragraph. A testimony of Yosef when he went out to meet but you just said meaning you have to use the names the way the father gave them. Ella Kula throughout the Torah, the way that Binyamin is written is Chaser. There's no Yod at the end. When he was born, his father called him Binyamin, and it's written out Shalem Vinyamin. All right, so that, that's where a 50th letter comes in. Now we see a few agadot about Yosef and the addition to his name. Yosef, who sanctified God's name in seclusion in his interactions with Mrs. Potiphar. He got one of the letters of God's name, the Hey, added in. Yudah was publicly in the interaction with Tamar. His entire name is God's name with a Dalit in it? Now, Yosef my, he, what was that? It happened on that day. Yosef came to do his work, and there's a machlok about what that means. That's the day that everybody else was gone. Yeah, this is in Potiphar's house. Yosef came to, to take care of business, meaning to, to consummate with Mrs. Potiphar. So really to do work. One of them said, he went into to have relations with her. Nobody was in the house. If possible Potiphar's house was a mansion, an estate. Not one person's there except he and Mrs. Potiphar. It was a uh, pagan holiday. The all went to the pagan temple. She said, "I'm sick. I can't go." Why? I'm right in the Yom is Kakli Yosef This is the best day for me to catch Yosef. Question is, does she mean this on a pragmatic level because nobody's there? Or does she mean that she believes in the idolatry and this will be the day that I'll have the greatest fortune in trying to entrap him? What happened? She grabbed him by the garment saying lie with me. What happened? Now remember, according to one approach, Yosef was ready. Very famous Drasha. At that moment, the image of his father, the visage of his father appeared to him in the, in the window. Amarlo, and the father said to him, Yosef, eventually your brothers' names are going to be written on the ephod, and you too. Do you want your name to be erased? and you'll be called one of who Shepherd's uh, whores. If somebody who shepherds loses a fortune. You could lose a fortune if you give in now. Miyad, what happens? So we go to the Bracha Yaakov give Yosef. That he held on within his strength. Or what is, how's this darshan? That his bow went back to its strength. Meaning that, um he, restrained himself in uh, most delicate way I could say it. <speaking in Hebrew> the drasha is <speaking in Hebrew> he put his hands into the uh, ground <speaking> in <Hebrew> and the left him left his body but without consummating. So what's the drasha? <speaking in Hebrew> the rest of the bracha is <speaking in Hebrew> Why was he able to restrain himself? Because of Aviv Yaakov. That's how he became a shepherd of Israel. Shemaro in So that was the schut that Yosef was Makai Shem and his name was restored and put and got an extra letter because of his restraint in the affair with um Ms. Potifar. The, the affair that did not happen. Tanya, really Yosef should have had 12 tribes just like Yaakov did, and parenthetically just like Yishmael did. Because in the introduction of the Yosef cycle, the Torah says, these are the children of Yaakov, Yosef. It lists no more. As if say, Yaakov and Yosef are parallels. But because he eventually somewhat succumbed, and this is, by the way, a negative twist on the way Yosef responded, that he did have an interest and he was excited, but he somehow restrained himself, but not nearly enough. Therefore, he didn't have the twelve tribes. But nonetheless, his brother Binyamin ended up having twelve kids. And all twelve are called on Yosef's name. What's the drasha? Bella? Why is he called Bella? He was swallowed up by the nations. Becher mean b'chor He was the b'chor. He was the eldest. Ashbel why sheshva ol. God took him captive. Gerah why shagar bachsaniyut. He was a traveler. Naaman shna'im He was a very pleasant person. Echiv meaning achihu foroshihu. He's my brother and he's my captain. Mupim 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 bechupim. What's that? Look at the list of Benjamin's Children hulor abechubati. I was not at his wedding. He was not at my wedding. Va'ard, why is he called Ard? Again, all of these are Binyamin's children, who, according to the Midrash, were all named after events in Yosef's life—tragic events—and about Binyamin's relationship with him. The other take on va'ard is not that he went down, but rather that his face was rosy, like a, like a rose. Vered. When Pharaoh said to Yosef, Besides me, nobody has to listen to you in Egypt. You are the king besides me. So his advisors and his astrologers said, A slave who was bought for 20 talents of silver. You're going to place him over all of us? I see that he has royal blood. So, if that's the case, he should know all seventy languages if he's royal. So, what happened? By Gavriel, we had this a little earlier. Gavriel came and told, taught Yosef all seventy languages. Yosef wasn't successful in learning. So he added one of the names of one of the letters of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's name, and he was able to learn Shinamar, a dupe Shmo but to all eretz brits right, and now that's the the way that we read it as a drasha. And what's the rest of the pasuk? Sfat le'adati, a nation, a language. I didn't know. I now I'm able to hear. What happened? So every language that Paro tried to throw at him, he was able to respond in Flemish and Zulu and whatever language it was. So then Yosef talked to Paro and Paro didn't know how to speak it. So he said to Yosef, "Teach me that language." It didn't work. Paro couldn't take it. So he said, take an oath that you will never let anybody know, that I don't know one of the languages. So, so Yosef took the oath. So later on, after Yaakov came to Egypt and Yaakov died, that Father made me take an oath. Yosef comes to power and says, Father made me take an oath that I would bury him in, in Canaan and I want to take him. So so Paro said to Yosef, Alright, your father made you take an oath. Your father's dead. Go be Go ask him for retraction of your oath. So Yosef said, Oh, you know what? While well, I'm at it, I think I'll, I will also have my oath to you retracted. Aha. Therefore, Paro, even though he was uncomfortable with it, said, Okay, go bury your father the way that he that he made you take the oath. Alright, in the next podcast, we are going to look at Yehuda and why Yehuda was uh was first in the ephod, at least according to one Shita, and we'll take it eventually all the way to the Mishnah, Birchat Kohanim and Dafhlam and Zayn the Meantime everyone should have a wonderful day.